Welcome to Rough Drafts, how God writes his love in our stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell. And in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They're just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. Uh, Do you remember how Jesus said it's people with a childlike heart that are gonna enter the kingdom? Well, I have always struggled a little bit with what exactly that means because I know he's not talking childish or immature or something like that. Uh, I'm still not totally sure what I think that means, but I'm pretty sure it has something to do with having a sense of wonder, uh, joy, play. Kids have no guile. They just see good. And those are all things that describe uh, our guest today, my friend, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. Some people live life with the motto, hard work may not kill you, but I don't want to take a chance. That is not our guest's motto today at all. He is one of the hardest working servants I know. He loves to entertain. He loves to make us smile. I love the way that my kids look forward to seeing him after church every service uh, because somehow he's going to pull some coin out of some body part and then they're going to spend the rest of the week trying to imitate it. And kids, I'm sorry if you hear this someday, they do a terrible job of, of trying to repeat his tricks. He has retired from a career at Lowe's. He has been a camp director, a disaster coordinator, a worship leader, a fundraiser, and he wows people all the time when he p- plays his washboard. Uh, I don't even know what it is, his washboard. You know, <laughs> uh, My friend loves to encourage, and I know he won't disappoint today. Frank Bradford, thanks for coming. Uh, I'm glad to be here. As well. A little chilly this morning. It was. But uh, glad, uh, uh, glad to be here. So you told me a joke right before we started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? You want me to tell yeah, you? Yeah, why don't you tell it to me? Okay. All right, this is a help you start your morning off. Uh, said, uh, uh, went to the doctor the other day, and uh, I said, uh, how did things go? He says, well, I got some good news and some bad news. And I said, oh, okay, uh, what's the good news? He said, well, your IQ is still uh, high. And I said, well, great, that's fantastic. I said, what's the bad news? He said, well, you don't have long to live. And I said, what? Uh, well, what can I do, doctor? And he says, well, I recommend go down to the local spa, and get you one of those mud baths. And I went, hmm, okay, all right. Uh, will that help me live longer? He said, no, but it'll help you get used to the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you get a little older, you know, those things are really funny. Well, they're funny to me today because <laughs> I, I was running around Luther Lake the other day, and a guy that I didn't recognize just yelled at me. And, Frank, it was not a good run. I was kind of dying. And he yelled at me, Preacher, you can't outrun Jesus. And I said, I think I'm about to meet him. So you never know. You yeah, never know. I know it. And then everybody's got insurance. You know, we're arguing about 10 care. You know, everybody says, oh, 10 care, you know. Well, I found out 10 care is sort of like a hospital gown. You know, you think you're covered, but you ain't. <laughs> you know, we got... <laughs> but I think you've got here, me here for something else, probably. Well, I don't know. This is pretty good. You know, it'd be fun. We need to get you in one chair and Glenn Buffington next to you. Oh, and good. you guys could just, just go back oh. and forth with these. And it's so funny. You know, I may have heard it or he hears it, but he'll, we'll both laugh. No, Just crazy yeah. laugh because... It's always funny, you know, 
and uh, hearing somebody else tell it. So, well, when I think of you, I think of the hymn, um, uh, "Sweetly I Trust in My Redeemer." Uh, happy am I, yeah, uh, because I, I have a memory of you leading that before lectureship at Freed Hardeman, and that was just kind of the Frank Bradford hymn to me. Uh, that David Life every day would come to me, and or every time would say, "Hey, Frank," and you know, he'd sit in that one seat over there that was owned by himself. It's sort of like sing that song. It's sort of like the grumpy Muppets over the corner box. You know, there's David Live wanting you to sing Happy Am I. I know it. I love it. Well, uh, what we've been doing is telling God's stories. And uh, I've never met anybody who has more stories than you. And I think you've got as much God as anybody. So maybe we can put those two things together. So what's what's your story, Frank? Well, uh, you know, it's uh, when we're talking storms of life, and I've been teaching uh, that class uh, this month, and you think of storms of, of life, you think a lot of everybody, and you, you teach the class to, to talk to people about storms. But, you know, sometimes uh, people that are teaching have the storms. And, uh, you know, I went through a storm, uh, a tough one, um, you know, the toughest one you could you could ever go through. Uh, back in uh, when I moved uh, to uh, Henderson uh, to start working with Freed Hardeman University, my wife, uh, Beverly, of 31 years, we were married, uh, um, not at that time, but at the time I lost her, it was. But but all of a sudden, you know, we moved there, and uh, um, I've got a daughter that's going to Freed Hardeman. i got another daughter that's going to high school there, and and she has retired, and, and uh, I had retired from Lowe's, but then going back to work at Freed Hardeman, just excitement. And she was so excited that she would be able to stay home and do her things. She was very good at painting. She could paint, and uh, she loved to work outside. She loved flowers. And uh, we were out spring cleaning one day, and uh, she was, uh, we were cleaning the house. You know, we had vinyl, and we were wiping. She said, you know, I need to go to the restroom. I said, well, okay. And then, you know, about 20 minutes later, I got to go to the restroom. And, And before we knew it, you know, she's complaining about, you know, I'm thinking, I may need to go to the doctor and see, you know, uh, about this, uh, my bladder. I may have to have it tacked like my aunt had hers done. And so, any long story, uh, we do three or four special uh, doctors, and we end up uh, finding out that she has carcinoma. And uh, so, uh, I said, you know, that's something that we can hit, we can lick, we can get in there, we can go to it, and then we find out it's uh, ovarian cancer. And uh, so. All of a sudden, you know, I've got the shock of somebody who I love and care so much about who, you know, <laughs> why her when uh, she knows she's as good as gold and taught our kids and taught school and taught Sunday school. And her father was an elder there in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where we were and just thought, you know, things would work out. And, uh, of course, uh, after uh, two years of uh, of chemo, five rounds of chemo, her losing her hair, and then uh, getting it back, and then uh, having a uh, one uh, one six month run of everything doing good. Um, we find out that uh, it's uh, it's all downhill. One day on in April of uh, 07. and um, before we knew it, uh, hospice comes in in June of first of uh 2007 i lost uh, my wife and uh well you know i've got 
Uh, my oldest daughter's in college. My youngest is just fixing to, uh, had just finished uh, uh, high school, starting back into college, playing softball. I'm coaching her, and and it's just uh, all of a sudden we're in uh, a storm, a big storm. Yeah. And uh, I, for that time, had my father living there with us. Uh, he had my mother had passed away in 2000. And uh, if it wasn't for him, me going over and working with him and cooking his breakfast in the morning, if it wasn't for my church family, uh, if it wasn't for people like Roy Sharp, who hired me to come to Freed Hardeman, um, Billy Smith, uh, uh, Doug, um, and uh, Mark, and people there that at the church there who was uh, helping gather around. And then, of course, uh, uh, you always have friends and and people to do that. If it wasn't for that, uh, I would have put God on the back burner because uh, why would he do that to me? You know, and we hear about that all the time when we talk about storms of life where it's physical, emotional, spiritual. Uh, we can't understand why God might have picked on us and took the greatest of us away, but... Um, the one scripture that really, really jumped out at me was Romans eight twenty eight. I mean, it just uh, uh, it it hit me. He said, "All things work together for good for them that love the Lord." And I didn't really know that. Didn't think much about it till I saw the word "all," and that meant everything. Death. It meant a storm. It meant a tornado. and a hurricane. Things like that. Uh, divorce. Um, uh, for such a little word, it causes a big change. Yes, and then all of a sudden, um, things started looking looking brighter. And um, of course, uh, Christmas came after June. Six months later, we go to Christmas. My father in law, mother in law, who so hurt, but my father in law was strong in that he was a elder. He knew that there were more too. You know, you lose someone and. He wants you to go on, you know, you go on and you fight, you know, and they, they were so kind to me saying, you know, that, uh, they wanted me to go on. And of course, Beverly had talked to, to me about, about going on, maybe finding someone else, you know, and, um, uh, but you know, you never think about that no. six months in, you know, how, how it, long did the, the dark time last for you? Because you've talked before about kind of being in a pit. Mm -hmm. I mean, was that. Oh, it was a year, a decade. Well, it went to uh, it went to to uh, end of the summer when it started getting a little chilly outside. Uh, you know, I that's when I was being visited and uh, started talking to some people, um, counseling a little bit with some people who said, "Hey, you know, they they knew they saw through me. They knew I wasn't depressed. They knew that I was not." I was not going to need a counseling every other week. You know, they said, all you need to do is gather around your people. Yeah. And that's what I did. And, you know, and there's a there's a place for both of those answers. Sure. It's amazing how often the answer is take a shower, get out of bed, leave the house and do something. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, so I would say uh, come after Christmas and got home. 
uh, towards my children. Still, my daughter was uh, had just got hired to teach school there in Chester County. Uh, my daughter's, uh, my youngest daughter was fixing to be a senior in, in college, and uh, um, so uh, things were starting to you know to look up. You know, of course, camp was not a good one, but I was getting ready for camp. I was hiring people to come back in, and and um, there was a lady uh, there that went went to uh, church at Estes who uh, had uh, really, you know, she brought me some food when when things were, uh, when they knew she knew I needed it because of my dad, and, you know, she brought me some food, and, and her mom used to teach school there at uh, Freed Harmon, so she lived in Henderson most all of her life. And uh, I had known her because of Mid-South Youth Camp longer than I knew Beverly. How crazy. And uh, so uh, so one, one uh, evening after church, well, I guess uh, April, May, I can't remember, uh, almost, uh, almost a year into uh, her losing her, uh, I said, let's go get some coffee. Sit down and talk about camp, you know, because she was always asking about camp and everything. And... Uh, we went and uh, had coffee and talked, and and then we went from there and uh, had dinner a couple of times, and uh, and then uh, um, she was single. Uh, she had raised a family on her own, and uh, I had two. And anyway, by the end of the year, we were the uh, married Susan and her her kids and my kids, and we were the Bradford bunch. Mm. And so that was, you know, 11, whenever, I mean, years, 07, I can't count them, 11 or 12 yeah. years. And we know Susan, and yeah. we sure love her and her family, and uh, we think you two are kind of fun together. Well, she's my, she's my anchor. She's good. She, she sure is. She really, uh, she's a lot smarter than me, <laughs> too, you know. But Well, I don't know. You got to think about her marriage choices. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's that. that. That could get you in trouble. You are true. You are true. How has your faith changed across your life? Um, oh, um, immensely. Um, you know, when you're working at Freed Hardeman University for 15 years, of course, uh, you don't have really that much of a problem with things. You don't really get out. Of, uh, Susan and I kind of call it as a bubble, you know, getting out from under a bubble of the of the school after I retired and, and now with her uh, retiring also. And uh, we really changing to a to another congregation to another church you know going into it you want to work you know i'm i want to work with that congregation i want to find somebody and do something and then of course drt with disaster response team seeing all these disasters going and helping and encouraging people to go you know it, now i'm kind of thinking about what can we do in our only oh in our community i mean a close committee community that we have there's just uh you know we've got so many churches here but how many are active in their area around them and how can we get involved in something not only a disaster but how can we reach out to people uh how can we help little people if it's if it's uh you know taking them a meal or if it's uh holding their hand when they go to the doctor uh, some simple things, you know, that you could do with with people, and all of a sudden, you get a relationship. And after that relationship, then uh, 
there might be something going on here at the congregation, at the church building, and uh, you invite them, and they all of a sudden say, well, you know, I appreciate that. I think I'll go down there and check that out, you know, and before you know it, you've got that relationship there and a church relationship, and you never know what, what happens from there. So that's kind of the origin story of the life teams. Yes, yes. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the life teams and make sure people know kind of what that is? Um, I guess talk about it from the need side, then the volunteer side, maybe. Well, uh, of course, um, retiring from DRT, we're on a national uh, uh, basis. We know we've, we've been out as far as California for the fires. We've been uh, to the Bahamas. We've been... Must have been uh, tough. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, when they had the uh, hurricane through there. But the the toughest one was probably 2010 with the earthquake in Haiti and working there for a year and a half uh, with that. Uh, but th- like I said, this is national. If something happened, it has to be a disaster. It has to be 300 homes or more before we set up and work. And then I thought, you know, after I retired, we could do the same thing in a, in our area, just from our congregation location and reach out. You know, you always say that uh, the, the, the nearest soul might be your next door neighbor. Yeah. Well, I, I thought about this. And so um, I talked with a, a elder at uh, Centerville Church of Christ, and he said, we well, you know we're thinking about doing a life team. And I said, really? He said, yeah, it's living in family emerges, L-I-F-E. And I thought, hey, that, that's really neat. That's catchy. You know, uh, and then I thought, well, maybe we'd be called dirt, you know, because we work so hard, you know, disaster immediate relief team. And I thought, mm, no, it's dirt sounds kind of rough. Not sure about the spam. I guess spelling works, you know, I had to think about that one a little bit. Take on, take on my shoes there. You know? uh, but but uh, then I thought, you know, life team sounds great. And listen, what's great about it? We don't have to do just do. What if what if you did people? Offering others presents. You could have the poop team. Oh, gosh. Why, why not, Frank? You can make up some of the dumbest <laughs> things I've ever heard in my life. Well, you're the master. Uh, so. I know. I know. But, but life team, that's, that's perfect. With the life team, we've got, uh, we're reaching out not only for people who might be in a tornado, which we've had some here, you know. We had a flood, you know, and uh, we've had flooding in Dixon County, too. But what if we did something else? What if we was able to do the things like uh, uh, somebody's uh, post got knocked over where their mailbox was and they need a new mailbox poster? What if they come home from the hospital or and they say, oh, well, you're going to need a ramp on your deck. So somebody needs to build them a ramp. We need a somebody that knows construction, that and Frank, knows that, carpet. That's huge for me because I, yeah. I can work with you. If you tell me, go cut... Ten two by fours sure. to six feet. I can do it. Yeah, and yes. you tell me screw this to that. I, mm-hmm. I can do that. But right. I have no. Cl- if I looked at a house, you said go build me a ramp. Yes. I just am going to get big eyes and say I don't have a clue what to do. So you sharing your expertise and bringing in a team of guys saying, yeah, you teaching me what to do. You teaching whoever what to do. That's huge. Yeah, and then you know little things like uh, I can't hang my ceiling fan. Okay, well, we might need a little electrical help yeah. there to do that. Well, you know, every time I go in there, I have to jiggle that toilet lever because the water still runs out. 
oh, maybe we need a plumber to check on that and see what, or somebody who knows a little bit about that. And every time I get in the bathtub with the toaster, it just gives me this tingly feeling <laughs> exactly. all over. You no know. need to do that. So I've got somebody that you need to see about okay. that. But, <laughs> Make a list. But, the, but, you know, there's all kinds of little things. And about counseling, you know, uh, we have, uh, there's always a need for somebody. A lot of times, I don't know if you uh, do some counseling, but a lot of times ministers are able to counsel or, you know, some of our congregations have somebody in there who does counseling. And then you're able to talk with someone who's lost a loved one yeah. or may have a problem with uh, uh, opioids, um, may have a problem uh, uh, with a divorce, or may have a problem with overeating. Uh, you know, there's things that uh, that would come up that somebody could sit down and, and talk to them about. There's a lot of people who don't necessarily need a professional, they just Correct. need somebody who will listen and who cares, mm-hmm. you know. That's right. Um, we just need a friend. That's right. And so some of these would be good outreach programs. And, you know, say, but, you know, I'm not saying one congregation controls all that because they don't have some of these small congregations that we have that they have 50 or less or 40 members. They, they couldn't do a life team, but they could work with another congregation who is doing a life team. Because one guy in there might be able to help us. He might be able to run that chainsaw. Mm-hmm. There might be a car gauge where one guy's over there. He just happens to be a retired electrician. You know, the thing, I always have trouble finding is a plumber. Correct. Uh, you know, and if, it's just so good to have somebody in the church for, right? Uh, in, we've talked stuff that sounds complicated, mm-hmm. but how many of our seniors have smoke detectors that they have absolutely no business climbing right. a ladder to change the battery on? Right. Not because they can't do it, but because if they fell, it's going to be real bad news. And staying on that same subject, there's people that don't know that free uh, smoke detectors are available. Yeah. Uh, pl- uh, the, the the little, when you ride in the safety seats for children. Okay, yeah. People want to go down and pay $150 for a safety seat. Hey, you can get them free of charge, you know, yeah. through the county. And people maybe not know that, that that can be done. And see, we can outreach and, and help people do that. That's one thing I love about kind of where we are as a church right now. I feel like we're doing better than we've ever done you know, making connections to these community organizations. You know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this isn't so much your area, but a lot of people at Burns probably don't know that uh, we participate in a program called Charity Tracker. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jeffrey uh, Coons and Roy Malika are our deacons who are kind of doing benevolent stuff. So when someone comes to the church and says, can you pay my light bill? Mm-hmm. Um they fill out a, a brief application. It's not a thousand questions or sure. anything like that, sure. um, but it, you know, name and some, some information. And before we offer any help, it actually will look up in a database. And it'll show us what the help center has done or what Walnut Street has done and what some of the other churches have done. So we had one not too long ago where the person came in and they had received assistance 130 something times in the last year. Mm-hmm. And it kind of set off some red flags of, sure. all right, this isn't, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. There's some other ones that you pull it up and there was one issue 10 years ago, you know, and it's, right. I'm not saying the number, please don't right. take all this too right. literally, uh, but our ability to work with other churches, work with, e- with each other. Um, you know, if, if Jackson Temple has a plumber, praise yeah. God, you yeah. know, right. uh, we can lend them. We, we have electricians. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting an electrician at Burns. We got, uh, we got John Langston. We got, um, the Giordornos, who's been coming, I think I just butchered their last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Keith Harding. We've got Kenneth Caldwell. We've got Eric Petty. Yeah. And that's just five that I thought of right off the top of my head. Um, 
you know. And, and see, if you go out and you see somebody in distress, you see somebody that might need help, don't, do not panic. Yeah. Because I promise you, you will find somebody to do that. We drove by just, you know, in, within the last year, uh, a man whose uh, trailer caught on fire. Yeah. It just happened to be on the way that I came to church. I pulled in there. Hey, you know, sorry. Was, we was able to help them. And all of a sudden, Red Cross gets involved. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Red Cross says, well, what about the help center down there? Uh, call Pam. I called Pam and she said, oh, Frank, I worked with you when you were in Waverly. Or we, I talked with, I worked with you when we did the Lebanon situation, uh, tornado. So all of a sudden, boom, I've got connections of people who can help. And now they're back in. They're back in their house over there. They got the roof, their interior, everything done. That's fixed so back. That's so cool. So don't think that when you see somebody to help, drive on by. Yeah. Because you could stop there and I guarantee you, Call the Burger Church. We'll find out how to get a hold of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't ever promise people help, but I'll say, let me check and see what we can do because we might be able to do more than we think. Correct. Um, another thing I love about these life teams that you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the ch- problems churches always face is the same 10 people do all the things. Mm-hmm. And if we do this life teams thing right, this really should be an opportunity for a lot of people to do a lot of different things. Well, you know, people, for, for men, a lot of times you ask them to read a prayer, or you ask them to do reading, or heaven forbid, teach a class, yeah. or, you know, or things like that. But a lot of times they can usher, or they can pass the Lord's Supper. They could even clean up after the Lord's Supper. But some of those people don't like to do that. Yeah. And they say, well, that's totally not my talent. But boy, when this life team, when you get do it one time, you're hooked. Yeah. Once you get them to come, you know, you know about it going to DRD. Oh, DRD's amazing. Once yeah. you go, you're hooked. And what a great mission. It Absolutely. Is. And it's just good. So if somebody knows of um, knows of a problem, um, if it's your own problem, let me just encourage you not to be afraid to ask. That's right. Because sometimes we, we do this, I can handle all my own stuff. It's okay to ask. You're actually, you're actually blessing other people by letting them help. That's right. Um, sure. But if someone brings something to you... Uh, and so somebody calls me and says, uh, Frank, I need, Frank, my name's not Frank, my name's Matthew. Okay. I'm going, someone calls me, it's been a bad day. <laughs> That's water in the bottle, I promise. <laughs> um, someone calls me and says, Matthew, um, I need a wheelchair ramp. My immediate reaction is, I don't know how to do that. So so what do I do then? Well, just get in touch with me. Okay. And if I can't do it, I will try to find someone that can and uh, then go from there. Now, major repair, a lot of times it's, you know, some people call out of town, uh, like in another county or something, it would be must kind of be difficult. But hopefully, there might be some life teams going a little bit further out from here. But uh, if, if if there's a need and we we're there, come to me and let me be the one to say no, I can't do it. Yeah, and we'll try to do for it. So let me try the other side, Frank. Okay, uh, I know I need to be more involved in church. I don't do too terribly much around here. Um, you know, I'm. I'm scared of a crowd, so I don't want to lead a prayer, or lead a song. Last time I led a song, three dogs died. So I mean, we gotta, we gotta do something else. But yeah. you know, um, uh, I can swing a hammer. What do I need to do? Well, let me get you with so and so, and we're fi- getting ready to do something. Uh, let me get you with somebody here uh, who has gone, uh, has gone and done something like that before, and let him know that you're available to help. Now, it may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But you'll be on my list and ready to go. And then I'll put you in my database 
and make sure that you know what it is. So if you hear this and you're interested in helping, sure. basically pick up the phone, shoot Frank a text, an email, say, here are the things that I know how to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with any luck, he'll get you signed up for Oh sure. some of those things at least. Sure. What, and- what are- what are the sort of things you are are looking for? What town well, do you want to sign up? Can you can you uh, can you drive a car? Oh yeah, depends oh, on who you ask. Yeah, I know. Okay, well, then could you be able to carry Billy over to the VA hospital? Would you be able to carry Samantha to the doctor? Uh, would you be able to carry a meal to Billy and his wife? She told uh, me for telling you this, but yeah, Miss Benny. Drive someone to the doctor's almost office almost every week, mm-hmm. and she does it because she's kind and generous. But right. that's a job a lot of other people exactly. Can do too. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a very simple thing. And we're talking about taking an hour, a lunch break, out of your day to do something like that. Yeah. And um, you know, but if I have more people doing it, you may not be called for a month. Yeah. You know, because somebody else is doing it. So. So the more need, we have drivers, you need yeah. counselors. And by counselors, I mean somebody who's willing to sit and talk. You need plumbers, electrician, carpenters, right. handymen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need people who can pick up debris in a yard. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, cleaning out a, uh, cleaning out the gutters. Oh, yeah. Mowing grass. Here Mowing grass. Coming up, you know. Oh. Want to be neat. You know, I'll get you out there. We'll get us uh, some white hats and some mask on and we'll be the lawn rangers <laughs> but we could have hey just uh i'd have a good time doing it with people that is and, and you know and it all started from these disasters and from things that happened but boy you know those are physical disasters but we need to jump in for emotional type and listen it can also help spiritually and boy, when you help spiritually and they find out that you're there to help, I mean, that's what the church is all about. Going backwards to your story about Bev, yeah. one of the things you said was that having to take care of dad was one of the things that kept you going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think people appreciate just how much helping others helps your soul. Oh, yeah. You know, you're in a bad place and it feels like there's nothing you can do. Maybe the best thing you can do is serve somebody else, and it gives you some perspective. It gives you some. Well, we have two men there, my dad and me, that lost their their wives. Yeah, dad losing mom, and me losing Beverly, and we he was telling me things that, you know, that I was going through. You know, a lot of the smell that you always have. You find the little notes that were maybe <laughs> written. You see the painting on the walls and on the. Uh, glasses that she did that were so uh, ornaments that people would call me and say, I still have today. The people will call and say, I still have an ornament that your wife did for me. And I, I cherish it every Christmas when I put it on the Christmas tree. Yeah. So that's how I can remember how she was. And, and, you know, there's hope for tomorrow. You know, there's hope for tomorrow. The Lord says that the Bible tells us that, Hey, um, that we'll be able to see them and know them and that's a that's a great thing to know, and that's what gets me excited about trying to do the right thing, be right, help people, is because uh, I want to see her again. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, give me one more Frank Bradford story before we're done. <laughs> Good night. Uh, meaning, uh, well, uh, I guess one of the one of the ones that's uh, really neat is uh, when we were in Haiti. Um, 
We Haiti, know, not Hades, no, just to clarify. Haiti, okay. that's right, the country. Uh, during the earthquake, of course, we went over there and, and with some people. And uh, we'd been working all week, and we thought we were going to be able to take a bus back to Santo Domingo. You know, Haiti is an island. It's Haiti on one side and Dominican Republic on the other. So an eight-hour trip over the mountains, and you'd be back in there. Well, guess what? The earthquake had demolished all roads leading out of the mountain. Lovely. So we had no place to go. And then you're surrounded in Port-au-Prince by ocean. Couldn't go north. And so didn't know any how to do that, how to get away. There's no airport because the airport was demolished. So, But they were bringing in C-17s uh, landing with water and supplies. And I said, how in the world could they do that? And they were coming in from... Uh, from uh, Davis Mothan Air Force Base in Tucson, Arizona, who was doing the landing. And I said, how can you do that from Tucson to Haiti? They said, well, we've got a C-130 down there with a, with a radar, and it was landing these planes so through it was, video. It was like the control tower, but it was... Correct, in, but it was in Tucson, Arizona. A thousand miles away or something? Right. Well, all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, there's a somebody I know there, uh... He went to Fried Hardeman, Paul Johnson. He's a general, and he's the base commander. How funny. So you can't call, but you can text. So I text his wife because I knew her a little bit more. I knew Paul, but Paul tell you right now, he knew me more. But anyway, uh, I text her, and I said, I'm stuck in Haiti. I can't get out. Is there any way I can get out of C-17 and get out of here? She goes, let me test Paul. So it wasn't 10 minutes. Paul texts me back. Said, when are you going to leave? And I said, well, I've got two doctors and uh, two other people with us, and we just need to get out. He says, uh, take this to anybody that has a uniform on. So I took it, showed it to them, and they looked at it, and they said, you ready to go now? And I said, uh, uh, no, we need to go. Uh, he said, well, I've got a C-17 landing in the morning at 0800, 0847. You, you be on it. We'll be ready to go. Wow. And I went, great. So the next day I get there. They put us on a C-17 in an hour and 20 minutes. We're at Sanford Air Force Base wow. in uh, uh, Orlando, Florida. And we've been saved by somebody that I knew who happened to go to Freedom. <laughs> and, and it was just a, a unbelievable story that, that got us home on a, on a tough, tough disaster. One of the coolest things about the church is the connections you make. Goodness. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, any town I've been in, if there's a church there, I'm going to go find it and yeah. and you'll know somebody. Somehow, somewhere, some way. Yeah. You're going to know. So. Well, anything else you want to share with us, Frank? Well, I think well, we've talked a, a bunch. <laughs> well, a little bit. <laughs> but uh, anyway. you got one more great. joke, though, don't you? Uh, <laughs> I do not have uh, any. I, I don't actually believe you. <laughs> You're just stalling while you're trying to decide if you've got one that's appropriate. <laughs> Susan's uh, not here. You can say what you want. She'll never hear this. Uh, well, um, what's really funny is in in 1985, uh, Carolina Opry came to Myrtle Beach and started. And, of course, they're still doing it there pretty big, and they do a extravaganza. But there is, oh, <laughs> there, there is a um, guy named uh, Gum who uh, is a comedian on there, and he is one of the funniest guys I have ever seen. And uh, he was talking about uh, things that he read in the newspaper. And one of them was that uh, he said, uh, 
uh, the uh, the manager, I mean, the owner of Dunkin' Donuts was found dead today. Uh, when they found him, they noticed his eyes were glazed over. I uh, said, but uh, there was 1,200 police officers at the funeral. <laughs> and uh, the cemetery said uh, he was buried in a box with 11 others. But, uh, you know, there... He was just always, he could tell some really, really yeah. funny ones. But you never, you never miss an opportunity. Okay, oh, yeah. one more question. I do have one more question. Okay. How did you get into doing your magic tricks and dressing up as a clown? Well, um, that started in 1972. Uh, my next door neighbor uh, was a uh, Shriner. Okay. And he was a Shriner clown. And he had two boys that went to Antioch with us and, and they were in the, soapbox derby you know and all that and they had these soapbox derby and i'll always have fun over there riding down the hill with them you know so um i was on a gymnastics team in high school i was a junior and uh i'd seen s some uh videos of some guys that would could jump on a trampoline and jump through the springs you yeah. know and act like they didn't know what they were doing i was pretty good at jumping on a trampoline I but anyway uh i went over there and, and he was uh i said hey uh i need to get a my face made up. Do you think you might could do this? Sure, I can show you how to do it. And he showed me little things, made my face up, showed me how to do it, how to put it on his own makeup. You know, you have to put on your own. And I did that, went and got on. Uh, my mother made me a little outfit. You know, she sewed it and everything. And and so we put on a show, and I was the, the mess-up guy on the gymnastics team and followed me all the way to Fried Hardeman with the Griffins. And, and I just learned how to do that. And then... When it came to parades and and uh, doing parties and stuff, I just started dressing up like the full clown, the full mask, yeah. you know, and started doing that and learned how to do that and and so anyway, it stuck around. The rest for all is history. Is history. I'm 67 years old. Yeah. But when I grow up, though, I'm gonna be just like you. Well, I hope so someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frank, so much. Thank you for uh, spending some time with us, friends. Thank you for listening. Uh, and if you enjoyed our time together today, I hope that you will uh, take a minute to share this with a friend and maybe, uh, just maybe, uh, send Frank a text message or an email and say, I want to be on your life team and I want to juggle chainsaws with you uh, <laughs> because he really appreciates that gift in particular. We'll uh, be back in a few days. The show is free, available anywhere you can find podcasts, wherever you can find it. And if you don't mind leaving us a review, it will help other people find it too. Until next time, I can't wait to hear what God's up to in your life. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories.